More than 20 years ago, China and Russia formed the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, together with four former Soviet states in Central Asia. Since then, the group has ballooned into a major political, economic and security organization with eight permanent members. Once an obscure group that few paid attention to, the SCO has seen its geostrategic influence grow across Eurasia. And that was on full display at their latest gathering in Uzbekistan. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan attended the summit as a special guest where he said that Turkey looked to strengthen its ties with the regional bloc. The SCO is in our opinion the current representative of our ancient relations. That's why we attach importance to further improve our relations with the organization. The dialogue partnership status we've had for the past decade has been a window that opens to Asia. President Erdogan also held a series of sideline meetings with his Chinese, Russian and Azerbaijani counterparts. Formed back in 2002, the SCO works to strengthen security and economic cooperation in the region, accounting for more than 40% of the world's population and 30% of its GDP. Many have said the regional bloc's influence could one day rival Western-led organizations. Turkey, which is part of NATO, is also a dialogue partner of the SCO. But could Ankara become a full-fledged member in the future? And now for more on this, I'm joined by James Dorsey. He is a senior fellow at Singapore's Middle East Institute. And from Beijing, Einar Tangen. He is a senior fellow at the Taihai Institute. Gentlemen, welcome to Straight Talk. It's good to have you on the program. James, let me begin with you. Could you talk to us about the significance of this summit, which came at a time when nations are scrambling to fight the negative impacts of uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine and the aftermath of COVID-19 pandemic? And what should be expected from the summit? Obviously, it's by definition significant. This is the first time in three years that the leaders of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization have, been, have met face to face. It clearly comes at a moment at which the uh, we have a war in Ukraine. Uh, we have the re uh, multiple relationships that are problematic, mm -hmm. whether that's between Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, the Indian-Pakistani relationship, uh, issues of Afghanistan, and so on. So I think in that sense, it's extremely important um, uh, and has great significance. You've also already seen the impact of uh, the failing Russian performance militarily at the moment in um, uh, in the in Ukraine. And of course, there was a lot of focus on yes. what uh, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping would be saying with regard to the Ukraine war. So, Einar, how has the SCO evolved in the last decade? And could you talk to us about this ambitious role China has been playing in the international arena as a leading member of this organization? Well, it's actually been two decades. Uh, and this is the 22nd uh, meeting of the ministers. Uh, they'll be celebrating a, a number of, uh, uh, <clears throat> of anniversaries uh, going forward. So what, what you really have here, I mean, we can talk about the significance of it, but it's the significance today. And, and there's three real important takeaways that people should have from this. First, before going to the SCO, um, Xi Jinping stopped in Kazakhstan. And one of the things he said was, you know, uh, territorial integrity. Uh, yes. We stand with uh, Kazakhstan. There had been rumblings, especially among very conservative uh, Russians, that somehow Kazakhstan had not been sufficiently loyal in uh, supporting Russia in the Ukraine situation. 
and talking about territorial uh, disputes that were going ongoing. The second part is that um, you know there was this meeting with Xi Jinping, and the, the surprising thing was that um, Putin came out and said, "Listen, uh, you know we we understand that we respect that China has been very balanced in its approach, uh, and we understand that they have concerns." Uh, this is uh, probably a revelation to the, a lot of the people who are pushing a narrative uh, from the Western side that said, oh, China's full-throated backing of, of uh, Russia. And then that isn't true. I mean, Russia is buying bombs and, and missiles from North Korea. It's not because, uh, you know, they went to China and China said yes. Uh, and then the last part is this is part of a, a very different kind of uh, strategic and a diplomatic objective. Instead of like the U.S. where you call and say you want to have a big meeting, but then you exclude people, uh, China is not trying to exclude people. Uh, they are trying to bring everybody to the table, including those they, that they have uh, difficulties with, uh, India. Obviously, Pakistan is in, in the bunch, uh, Russia, yes. uh, a lot of the stands. So it's important to see the, the marked difference between the U.S. approach and China's approach. Mm -hmm. So, James, as uh, you have mentioned in the beginning, despite the show of unity at this year's summit, two members of the SCO, um, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan, reportedly saw clashes at their border as the summit was opening. The question is, how united are the members of the SCO and or are there many internal contradictions in it? I think they're both. With other words, there are un they are united on a number of things. They, are they have uh, shared concerns mm -hmm. and they have very significant differences. Um, one thing I think that uh, uh, I want to, if I may respond to, to what Einar said, which was a moral differentiation. Frankly, I think there is an equation uh, with other words, uh, one of the major issues that Xi Jinping mentioned uh, in his uh, in some of his remarks uh, was the issue of uh, opposition to colored revolutions. Um, you know, so on the one hand, many members of the SCO accuse the West, the United States, of preaching in terms of democracy, and yes, they do so. And one can question whether that's the way to go about things. And, uh, you know, and that preaching is portrayed as an interference in internal affairs. So is the issue of opposition to um, uh, to colored revolutions or in principle to get away from the from the terminology, popular uprisings against uh, often non-elected governments. With other words, uh, what uh, uh, what China uh, uh, advocates is a status quo. Maintenance of the status quo, rather than when that becomes an issue, political change from the bottom up. So, Einar, do these internal disputes weaken the SCO, or do they, like these tensions, make the SCO a more necessary and useful in solving these problems? Uh, the latter. I mean, the, the SCO is vital to making sure that people can come together and talk out their differences. And and this is part of what Xi Jinping is talking about, a, a new era of, of uh, you know, international uh, diplomatic relations. And that is that you meet instead of throwing sanctions or threats against people. You know, I want to take up a point that my colleague made. The United States has been involved in 72 um, regime change operations, 66 confirmed uh, clandestine and six that were quite open. Uh, China is does not want to see that, and especially do not want to see that in um, you know, the uh, Eastern region, in Asia. 
mm-hmm. what has happened in the you know in, in the Middle East, Africa, South America, they do not want to repeat. They certainly don't want to repeat of what's happening in Ukraine. So, James, uh, Turkey has been an SEO dialogue partner since 2012, and the President Erdogan addressed this year's summit. He also expressed interest in obtaining an observer status and eventually maybe a full membership. So how viable is this? Well, I think it is important for Turkey, given the way that, uh, that uh, Turkey has positioned itself in recent years. So, with other words, it's positioned itself much more as a power somewhere in between the United States and Europe and on the one hand, and Russia and China on the other hand. So membership in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization from Turkey's perspective would make perfect sense. Uh, also, let's keep in mind that Turkey, beyond its relationships with Russia and China, of course, has long-standing, also much deeper cultural relationships with Central Asia. And much of Central Asia is part of the uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So it would make sense for Turkey to be so, too. So, Einar, Turkey's uh, President Erdogan met with his Chinese counterpart at the summit after an almost interval of more than three years. What could Turkey offer the SCO uh, if it becomes a full member? And how would China view its uh, full membership? Well, I think it would be welcomed. I mean, this is the thing about the Shanghai uh, SCO is that it is about a dialogue. Now, remember, this is an organization that is dealing not with economic issues. It is dealing with uh, internal issues of uh, separation, uh, extremism, terrorism. And they're trying to figure out how they can collectively protect each other from these kind of extreme uh, you know, uh, movements. So it, the more uh, countries that are involved, the better. There is not like NATO. This is not a defensive alliance. Uh, they do have military practices. Uh, and, and maneuvers, but those are to deal with uh, internal issues. They're not a threat to anybody else. So uh, there's no uh, reason why uh, China would uh, want, not want Turkey involved, especially given Turkey's uh, a very enhanced status in the Middle East. So, James, how significant is Iran's full membership to the organization? I mean, what would a CO membership mean for Iran and the broader region? And are other regional countries likely to follow suit? I think it's very significant. Obviously, uh, much like in Russia's case, the fact that you know it's an international forum and an international stage at a moment in which the uh, Islamic Republic is isolated in uh, significant parts of the world. And of course, Iran has become a member before any of its rivals in the Middle East, uh, particularly Saudi Arabia, has been associated with the organization. Yes. Uh, so in that sense, um, for Iran, this is a very important uh, forum. So Einar, what's at stake, as uh, James mentioned, uh, for Egypt, Saudi Arabia and Qatar joining this summit? And why do they want, the, want to be part of this organization? Well, you're seeing a growing schism between the developed north and uh, the global south and the stands. Uh, they lack the kind of forums that are necessary to uh, settle matters. And this is one that has come up. It's organic. It's not being pushed by anybody. No one is telling anybody, you know, what they have to do or how they need to change their government. Uh, no one is attempting to have their capital dictate uh, what the policy should be elsewhere. So, uh, the, of course, uh, countries are very, very interested. They have the same issues, terrorism, separatism, extremism. And this is a common threat to all governments. So the more they join, the better it is. And as I said, it's 
It's not preaching. It's not ideological. It is simply trying to deal with the practicalities uh, so that you can have trade and cooperation amongst countries. So it's not likely to confront or undermine any U.S.-led uh, security alliances, as some argue. All right, gentlemen, unfortunately, we'll have to leave it here. Thank you very much for joining me on Straight Talk.